This episode of the Egology Club podcast is sponsored by Freeze My Eggs app. Have you heard about the new app everybody in the fertility world is buzzing about? It's all about Freeze My Eggs app. This app is a new decision aid tool for women who are interested in freezing their eggs for personal or medical reasons. Inside the Freeze My Eggs app, you'll find essential information about the science of egg freezing. You'll get a calculator to estimate your success rates, to analyze whether you are leaning toward or away from egg freezing. Download the Freeze My Eggs app for free from the App Store or Google Play. No login or registration is required to use. Check out the website freezemyeggs.me, F-R-Z-M-Y-E-G-G-S dot M-E. Search the app Freeze My Eggs, F-R-Z-M-Y-E-G-G-S. This is Egology Club podcast, episode number 11, Egg Strategy. Welcome to a new club, the Egology Club. This podcast is redefining the modern day journey to parenthood. Meet your co-hosts and new BFFs, Radel, Valerie, and Kara. We're sharing our unfiltered real life stories, and we hope you join the conversation too. Follow us at egologyclub.com. This is the Egology Club podcast, episode number 11. I'm your host, Valerie. Welcome to the show. We can't wait for you to hear our exciting episode today. I have a special guest with me, Stephanie Linder, who's been um, helping out with the last couple of podcasts for the season. I really appreciate your help. Hi, Stephanie. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? Great. I'm glad you could be with us um, before you fly away back to South America. Yes. Uh, It's bittersweet, but I'm happy to be here as well. Guess what we have going today? I don't know what. So we are interviewing scientific expert, Miss Dr. Emily Grossman. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. She's from Cambridge University. And oh, the UK. Uh, yeah, in the UK. And she is a beautiful yeah. girl um, who makes science fun. Yeah, I've, I've heard about her. And I mean, good for her. I mean, science, like many different things in this world, is for all different types of people. Yeah. Or can be. Yeah. And she does a lot of lectures and Right. Talks. She's breaking the mold a little bit, right? Yeah. I love it. Um, but she's an, also an egg freezer. And so um, she just wanted to explain why she's choosing to do this. She went very public. She's getting a lot of press and attention. So it was really cool to be able to nail her down and get her on the show today. Good. We need to make science cool. Yeah. You know, I actually had an email this morning that came through. A really great girl emailed us and just said, hey, uh, do you have any interviews or podcasts or videos we can watch about somebody that's actually used their own frozen eggs? Oh, wow. That's really interesting and a very great question. It is a great question. And you know what? Out of all the women that I've interviewed on experience or through the podcast Egology Club, I've only had one person, one, that has used their own eggs. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And you know what's interesting? Um, We had Dr. Inhorn from Yale. She had done a clinical research study um, on egg freezers. She Mm -hmm. interviewed over 100 women, and she found very few had gone back and used their eggs as well. She didn't have the exact numbers, but Mm -hmm. it was like under a handful actually used their eggs. And so it just goes to show that this is such an infant stage of research right. and um, and technology that hasn't really been adopted mainstream yet. I mean, I think it's on its way. Right. Well, there's a few reasons for that, I believe. I mean, the technology just, I think, uh, ASRM was it, that removed the experimental label just five or so years ago? Yeah, in 2012. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, five years ago. So that means that there's more access to it. The, you know, the vitrification or the, the quick freezing has um, made a big difference in success rates. Yeah, it's, that's evolved. Yes. So, you know. And clinics now are doing it standard practice. Which right. took a while for adoption in the labs. Right, exactly. And that that's another, you know, point that I'm sure we've talked about a little bit throughout the season is that a lot of the magic that does happen with egg freezing, you know, obviously you care about your doctors and your staff, but it's in the lab. So if the lab technology is not up to par, that can have a huge influence on what your success rates are. So it's very important. I know for me, I had been in the industry for a while, so I knew the doctors and I knew their success rates. And it's very interesting because in other specialties, you can't go on you know, on a website and see, hey, uh, how often does my doctor, my oncologist cure cancer? You know, what's his success rate or um, what's the average amount of years his patients live after he they go through chemo? That does not exist. But in fertility, we actually can go in and look at individual doctors and individual practices and say, oh, if you are under 35, this physician's success rate, 2015 should be coming out shortly because it's always two years behind, is uh, 40%. Mm-hmm. on fresh uh, transfers or frozen. So you can at least kind of get an understanding of where they are. Uh, not all physicians do report, but um, if they do, I think that's a great sign. And so it's definitely something, although they don't have like egg freezing statistics, Yeah. Um, I think it's very important to see where your doctors rank, especially year over year. You can also look, a lot of um, doctor programs have donor programs within yeah. their practice. And that that's is a, great point. Um, a good practice for them to do real egg freezing on you as a individual patient, not as a donor. Mm-hmm. But that statistics, if they have those statistics, that could be a good indicator of how they're doing. Yeah. Um, that's tough though, because usually your donors are like 25. Yeah. So if you're yeah. 35 and freezing there's going to be H factors. Right. Um, but at least it gives you indication. If one doctor has 40%, And you can see like the number of patients they have in each individual age category, which gives you a good indication if they've only worked with three patients that are over 40 or three patients in your individual age range, maybe you want to go to someone that's seen at least 50 patients in your age range. So um, it gives you all these statistics. So I definitely recommend start.org and uh, there's another one, successrates.com. Yeah. I have it on my experience website. Go to the experience website. Experience.com. Yes. And you can uh, just scroll down the homepage and I put on there fertility success rates. I think That's it is. right. I remember seeing yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. As women, we want to be supportive of each other. And mm-hmm. uh, so like when that patient or that gal emailed me about success rates or what, have I had any stories that of women that used eggs, gosh, I would love to talk to you if you've used your eggs, if you froze yeah. your eggs and you've used them because I only have one gal that I've interviewed and her name's Kayla Friedman. She's mm-hmm. in the UK mm-hmm. and uh, I think near London and she froze her eggs three times, which I thought was really interesting because when she went back to use her eggs, she asked the embryologist, Hey, will you take a straw from each one of my cycles? And I'm going through round number two right now. And I'm starting to already think like at first I was kind of like, well, I don't like how my eggs are in separate places. But then I went to the like cliche statement of, well, don't put all your eggs in one basket, Val. <laughs> literally. Like literally don't put all your eggs in one basket. So I'm like getting over the fact that I'm going to pay storage for now two locations. Would it have been different if you gone back to the same place? Would your storage fees have well, been? Well, my practice split. So my doctor left the practice that I was at that had the lab and she started her own group and her own lab. So I had a a big decision to make. Do I go with a different doctor Mm -hmm. and stay with the same lab 
or do I stick with my doctor and have my eggs in a different place? Yeah, that's a real situation that can change if you do freeze your eggs multiple times over a two, three year span. Physicians change practices all the time. Yeah. And I think those changes are good because it keeps like the momentum of progress moving forward. And another thing that encouraged me is we had talked to Sarah Elizabeth Richards, who's the book author of Motherhood Rescheduled, and she actually froze four or five times. Wow. She has 70 frozen eggs. And why did she do so many? So she did so many because it was early adoption. She w- she froze her eggs in 2006. Okay. So it was before the ASRM limited, you know, took wow. out the ban. And it was when egg freezing really first came on the market. So some of her eggs are slow frozen. Mm. So the statistic rates are a little less right. for slow frozen. And then she got packaged deals because the fertility clinics, it was so new to them. They were, mm. they were anxious for anybody that would freeze their eggs. Um, and so they wanted to practice on egg, egg freezing, um, the whole technology itself. And so they offered packages in case their work wasn't up to par. So she took advantage of it and she froze several times um, and she has eggs in Canada and she has eggs in New York and at several different practices. Wow. Does yeah. she want a lot of kids? Is that, was that her um, goal or she just, you know, it worried? was more of an insurance policy. She wanted to make sure that she, it, it went and if she decided to have a baby, which she hasn't gone back and used her eggs yet. And still that's almost been, you know, 10 years ago, Wow. um, that she wanted to make sure that it would work for her. Yes. And so they were telling her that for one kid back then, she needed to have over 25, 30 eggs. Oh my gosh. I'd be screwed. (laughs) For a guaranteed. But that, but that you have to remember, this was 10 years ago. Of course. A lot of technology has changed and shifted. But so the whole point of me telling you the Sarah Elizabeth Richards story again, even though we talked to her and interviewed her, um, is because it got me thinking like, it's okay, Valerie. You don't have to have your eggs exactly in the same spot or you could move them later down the line. But I think what I'm going to do is not move them because Mm -hmm. I want to have the least amount of movement possible. Yeah, they're very temperature and climate sensitive. Well, if I'm just going to use them in the the next six, seven, eight years, Mm -hmm. then there's no point to move them. Move them when you're going to use them and you're unthawing them anyways. Right. And see, to me, if I had done that, like that's not something... I would be okay with them being two separate places, but I understand everybody has different preferences. Well, I might leave Chicago someday. Well, that too. You never know. You really don't. So, or my doctor, another practice might start. Right. You know, out of the group that I'm working. Who knows? Right. Anything's possible. Or um, like, look at all these disasters that have happened in in recent times. I know. Like with the hurricanes and the earthquakes. So I don't think it hurts to have multiple locations, but it's kind of the end of a chapter. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm moving on to this next chapter and I'm deciding and moving forward with freezing again, which is scary and risky because my health insurance is completely shifted this time. Right. I, it likely will not be covered. And mm-hmm. so I'm having to look at financial resource options and fertility focused loans and just looking at different options on how to make this possible, because likely I'm going to be paying for all the hormones and the meds mm-hmm. out of pocket. Right. Yeah. And that sucks. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you work in the hormone market. I know you were talking to me a little bit about um, the different types of stems and different ways to stimulate different hormones. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's so doctor specific. And a lot of these meds are also, it's just, I don't want to say a trial and error, but they kind of call it, we used to joke when I sold fertility medications, 
that some of it sometimes is just like magic fairy dust. Like, well, let's add this on or let's tweak this or let's tweak that. We don't really know if adding, you know, 75 more IUs uh, for one of the drugs or dialing up the pen for another one of the drugs or if that's the issue or if it's what's happening in the lab or if it's just how your body is doing that month like no one really knows for sure so a lot of times you know people may start you on an agonist or a lupron down regulator or they may do a degorelix or what they call antagonist where you don't start till mid-cycle so there's all these different ideas and oh my gosh yeah even being out of the industry for almost five months I've forgotten a lot of them which is sad well when you use it on an everyday basis and then you don't need to use it Mm -hmm. it's easy to not forget just like your eggs that go in long-term storage until you're ready to use them right right and that's the point of egg freezing Mm -hmm. is so you can freeze them and forget it right and live your life relax a little right and take a break we should take a quick sponsor Ooh, break good one. <laughs> so we'll pause there for a moment and uh, hear a word from our sponsors are you struggling to conceive or are you going through fertility treatment if so my beehive is here to help whether you are trying naturally or in the hands of an ivf clinic we are here to hold your hand throughout offering advice and support for everything nutritional and emotional we leave the medical advice to the clinic and make sure all your other needs are covered we offer bespoke a personalized service tailored to meet your needs during what some find to be one of the most testing times in their lives visit www.mybeehive.co.uk for more info Thanks for staying with us. All right, we're back. I really like the science that's involved in like egg freezing and fertility planning because, you know, back in the day, they did not even think they could freeze an egg. It was literally because of the Catholic Church. Do you know the history of this? The Catholic Church um, did not like the idea of destroying embryos because they thought that's when life started. Mm -hmm. And so they went on the quest of how can we freeze an egg? Mm -hmm. And that's how we got to egg freezing today, essentially. Ah, so they wanted to capture it. Before, before it became an embryo. Yeah, as a, as a gamete material that's right. just DNA. Well, they're still talking about it in different states to this day. Yeah. <laughs> if where when life starts. Well, right. Well, that is a never-ending debate among pro-life, yes. pro-choice uh, d- teams. But mm-hmm. not you, this podcast. No, that, we don't. We don't care about <laughs> don't that. Don't go there. Yeah, that's your own. That's your own beliefs. There. I mean, we just want you to have options, really. Oh, of course. And be able to make the best choice for you you and your family and how you want to create your family and show you all the different paths and ways to parenthood so you can figure out your own system of what works for you well and it's also kind of nice to see people in different careers that egg freeze you know it's not just the the baby crazy woman that you know i don't know of well that sounds like the media yeah baby crazy woman that's not the only person that wants to freeze their eggs it's the super smart scientists like we're going to talk to today that uh, is career driven, that, you know, is just being proactive. And if I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she actually froze her eggs more than once. Yeah, she's around round three right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe we should dive in and, and uh, listen to Dr. Emily Grossman. Tell us what she decided to do. Then let's do it. Well, hello, Emily. Hi. Hi. Great to talk to you. Nice to see you. Yes. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, I just want to start by saying thank you so much for sharing your journey towards egg freezing and how you got involved with just fertility planning in general and what made you want to do it. Do you think you could start by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? I'm... Dr. Emily Grossman. I work as a science communicator, um, which basically means that my job is all about making science fun and exciting and accessible to the public and 
and to kids in schools and students in universities. So I talk about science on the TV and on the radio. Um, I give talks about science in schools, universities, public events, um, motivational talks. Um, my main thing is about changing the perception of what it is to be a scientist, showing that scientists are cool, scientists are fun, and more importantly, that there is room for emotion in science as well as kind of logic and analysis. Yeah, so I saw you in a bunch of, I think it was New Zealand's paper and in yeah. the Enquirer and then a couple of the UK papers as well that you were coming out about your egg freezing journey. So tell Tell us a little bit about what sparked that and how did you even learn about the technology? So I guess I started thinking about it when I hit my mid-30s. Um, until that point, I had been sort of super focused on my career. You know, I had, I had relationships, but I wasn't really thinking about, you know, marriage and kids and all of that. Um, and I sort of almost woke up one day and, and realized that all my friends not only had gotten married since I last kind of blinked, but they'd also all started having kids. And whilst it wasn't something that right then and there I was wanting, I also knew that kind of deep down, one day I would love to have a family and I wanted to make sure that, that I had the opportunity to do that. And at the time, I wasn't in a relationship. I hadn't met someone who I wanted to start a family with. Um, my career was going great. Um, but I was suddenly started to become concerned that, you know, if I left it too long, not that I was choosing to leave it, but if it didn't work out that I'd met someone by now or in time, that I was scared that I would lose the opportunity to have the family that one day I would have liked to have had. It was also precipitated by uh, a year or so later, I went to a talk at the Cheltenham Science Festival, which is one of the kind of UK's big um, science festivals where a lot of scientists communicate about their work. And I went to a talk called The Fertility Time Bomb, which was two fertility experts from the UK who were talking about their concerns about women leaving it increasingly later. Well, not all women, of course, but a lot of women leaving things increasingly later to have kids. And they were saying that fertility drops massively sort of from the mid-30s onwards, which I kind of knew, but was real kind of really brought it home to me, saying that fertility rates kind of halve between the age of, I think it's 35 and 40, and then halve again between 40 and 42, that the rates of miscarriage massively rises, rates of genetic abnormalities rise. And by this point, I was kind of getting towards my late 30s now and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, this is kind of scary and what shall I do? I'd recently come out of a, a reasonably long-term relationship that I had thought was potentially going to lead to marriage and kids and for various reasons we both decided together that wasn't actually the way we were we were going to go. Um, so I kind of found myself single again, dating, um, happy with my life, loving my life, um, but in a situation where I thought, gosh, if I leave it too much longer, there's a, a good possibility that I might lose that chance. I'd, I'd seen friends in their late 30s, early 40s kind of meet the love of their lives and then find it really hard to conceive when they started wanting to have a, a baby. Equally, I'd seen other friends my sort of age, sort of mid to late 30s, meet a new partner and just rush into wanting to have a kid with a new relationship, in a new relationship, without giving it real time to see if this was going to be a sustainable relationship to, to raise a child with. And I've seen, sadly, several of those relationships have a child and then break down and women ending up as a, a single mother. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with that. And I know that that can work out really well for some women and some women choose to do that, you know, going alone and having a sperm donor, which is something I've considered. But ideally, it's not the way I want to do it. So uh, it struck me that, you know, there has to be a middle ground. There has to be something between rushing into it too soon and, and making 
potentially a wrong choice with a partner or waiting and leaving it too late and finding that it's actually increasingly hard to conceive. Not only is there an issue that some women just will not be able to conceive, but those who do conceive later in life increasingly are um, finding it harder to conceive a second time. So we're in danger of creating a generation of of what they call lonely onlys. Mm -hmm. So children who are coming into the world very loved and wanted, but who are missing out on the opportunity to have brothers and sisters. And so we're, and as an only child myself, um, you know, it, it, I grew up fine, but, you know, it would have been lovely to have had um, other, uh, my, my parents divorced, got remarried and had more kids. So I've got lots of half sisters, which is wonderful. I'm very close to them, but it would have been lovely to have had um, another full sibling to have shared in my life experiences the way that I had them. Did you learn about egg freezing because of your scientific background or did was it like one of your girlfriends did it? Actually, I, funnily, I, I saw um, female friends of mine starting to post on Facebook, actually, that, that they were having their eggs frozen. And I thought, gosh, that's brave. So I then went to my doctor and kind of found out about it a little. And actually, the figures that I was finding for women under 35, which obviously I'm not quite, um, you know, success rates coming out as sort of 40 to 50% for egg freezing, which right. is comparable, comparable to to IVF from from, from fresh eggs. Right. And for women my age, um, figures coming out at sort of between 30% or dropping down a little bit more to 25%. But um, but even then, you know, if you think about doing one cycle or doing two or even three, which is what I was recommended to do, that's still not guaranteed to have a child. But compared to the possibility of waking up in my early 40s going, OK, now I'm ready, I've got a partner and finding I can't conceive, the possibility of having, even if it is a 30%, 40%, 50% once you add all the several cycles together, that's still better than nothing. And right, right. I appreciate that it's not cheap, certainly yeah. here in the UK, that I'm in a, a very privileged position to be able to afford to be able to do it. But compared to what it costs to have a child, you know, compared to what it costs to take a few years off work or or to work part-time as, as I would hope to do when I come to that time for me it's a no-brainer to think well I it's worth every penny of it and and I'm lucky I've had a bit of support from my family financially I've paid the lion's share myself but I've had supportive um, parents who've offered to to help a little bit with that side of things but to me it's worth every penny and for a woman who is ideally mid to late 30s and and has a good chance of it being successful in the future then I would really want to encourage everybody in my position to consider doing that and can really to look into whether that's the right option for them but armed with all the right data and all the right facts and figures to actually make those decisions and more importantly what I'm trying to do is to remove the stigma and the shame that I think a lot of women feel around sort of admitting defeat. Like we're giving up because we're doing this. We're not. We're giving ourselves more options. And there's this kind of weird idea that if you freeze your eggs, you won't have as many left over to do it naturally, (laughs) which is complete nonsense. You know, I actually believe that the the reduction in stress levels and anxiety that I will feel having taken at least some of that pressure off might actually help me to conceive more readily naturally when the time comes. I mean, we all hear stories of women who go through rounds and rounds of IVF and don't manage eventually to conceive. And then as soon as they've taken the pressure off, they then conceive their second baby naturally, just like that. So we shouldn't underestimate the stress and the pressure that we feel as women and the pressure that that puts on our bodies and the impact that that can have on fertility as well. Yeah, no, you're you're dead on um, that there was some backlash or some like media and press make egg freezing not look 
as positive as it is if they say like women are desperate because we are freezing our eggs and that's not actually true i mean we've dealt with a lot of changes in our society of how dating is transpired these days how we communicate how the online community has changed and then we have this whole new generation of women that are are also being very ambitious and career oriented like yourself so it pushes and delays motherhood unintentionally so i think Mm -hmm. that you're spot on you know the media doesn't necessarily portray it in the exact light but if you look at the data the data is pretty strong and giving yourself even 40 or 50 percent chance is better than zero which is what you're referring to is when you're older let's talk a little bit about when you actually froze your eggs how you felt on the hormones the medications was it what you expected i've done two rounds of egg freezing so far okay and i'm actually on my third cycle right now oh wow what day are you on three three. uh, medications i'm on day four of my egg freezing cycle which means i'm on day three of medication that's yep. how we do it yep. um at the clinic where i go yep so um and i can share with you um it's been pretty consistent for my three cycles in terms of how i felt so the first thing to say is that i felt overwhelmingly positive and excited about going through the process because just taking some control being proactive about the decision that i've made and doing something positive rather than sitting at home lying awake at night kind of worrying oh my gosh you know what if I can't have a baby when I you know when I'm ready to have one and how 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 hard would that be how difficult would that be so the hormone injections themselves I have found (laughs) I think I'm in a minority I have to say because I am one of the women who seems to react super well to the hormones I feel fantastic. So you're like on an euphoric cloud of happiness. I really am. Now, I have to say that I'm also quite into um, alternative forms of kind of looking after myself. So right from day one of, of the first time I started, which was back in January, I went to see a dietitian. I looked at changing my diet. I looked at changing my routine, making sure that I was, um, getting regular exercise. I was uh, meditating and doing yoga every morning. That's great. Is you're preparing yourself for an egg freezing cycle. That's great. Exactly. So generally eating a healthy diet. And I also, um, I see an acupuncturist who also supports me, um, my body in, in different ways, which are, um, which is really endorsed as well by a lot of the fertility doctors I've spoken to, really supported and um, to sort of try out other ways of supporting your body through this process. When I've come to the third time round, I suppose I've been now kind of on that on that road, on that journey for the last six months. So this time round, I kind of feel better than ever. So I've been injecting the hormones into my belly. I do feel a little bit more tired than usual, a little bit sort of spaced out, and I feel full of energy. And then suddenly I have kind of, gosh, I need to just go and sit down and be quiet for a while. But generally, I found the injections relatively painless. Every now and again, my tummy will get a little bit bruised and it will be a little bit more sore. But generally, I can hardly feel the injection and the, and the, the jab going in. And um, the protocol that I'm on, I do that for two weeks. Okay. Um, it's two injections in the evenings, and then halfway through, I bring in a third injection in the mornings. And then on day 12 or so of the cycle, I will give myself a trigger injection, which will stimulate my ovaries to be ready to kind of pop out the eggs. I will have a short procedure where they will suck the eggs out. Now, there's an option in this country to either have that under local anesthetic or to have what's known as a conscious sedation where you're sort of asleep. Um, I've tried both times around and and for my body uh, what's worked best for me is the local anesthetic it's a little uncomfortable but I've preferred that and I've kind of quite almost enjoyed the feeling of being present being awake 
and actually connecting with what's going on in my body. And I remember the when I did that the first time around, I had a sort of little moment during that the, the procedure where I sort of almost waved goodbye to my little <laughs> legs that are growing. You know, I, I felt that over those two weeks, I'd really developed a relationship with these, these little eggies that were growing in my belly, in my ovaries, and um, and sort of feeling them come out. Although it was a little uncomfortable, yeah, quite an important part of that process. And I sort of I remember sort of saying to them, you know, off you go out into the world, go sit in a freezer, you're far safer out there than you are in my body, which is getting older and isn't going to be able to keep you as healthily as, as you could be if you were frozen in a li- tank of liquid nitrogen and kept on ice for as long as I need to be ready to, to use you. <laughs> so what were your results? You, you Your first egg freezing experience, how many eggs did you get and how many were actually frozen? The average I've been told for collection is between 10 to 15 per cycle. On my first cycle, I actually had a cyst on one of my ovaries before oh my. we began. It's just a temporary thing, yeah. but it meant, strictly speaking, I should probably have waited, but I, oh. I was so excited to get going that I went ahead anyway yeah um, but it meant we only we collected I believe eight eggs and uh, six of them were healthy and viable so we okay. froze six okay great that was from kind of one healthy ovary really. yeah in my second cycle um I went on the contraceptive pill leading yeah. up to that which yeah. they said would give a better chance of not having a cyst this time right it regulates your hormones and then prepares you for a cycle sure exactly so the cysts come and go so they said if you go on the pill you're less likely to get one next time so i said fine um so i didn't get a cyst um this second cycle i still actually only froze eight healthy eggs but again having done research and talked to fertility experts they said to me two things first of all it's possible that second time round, i i wasn't in as best state as I could have been in terms of physical health. So I'd done a lot of international travel with my work. Mm. Um, I was feeling quite tired and quite run down. And I believe that my body wasn't in the best state that it could have been in to kind of to grow those eggs. Secondly, I've also been told by experts that it's better to do a few cycles and get a, you know, a handful of good ones rather than do one cycle and get 15 good ones. That's not official um, statistics, but the, the word is, you know, the sense is that it's good to do a couple of rounds and, you know, hopefully my, my six will be six good ones. Hopefully this third time round, maybe I'll get more. So have you had your monitoring, morning monitoring visit yet for this round, this third round that you're doing? I've had my initial scan, which um, showed that my ovaries were good to go. I also had a blood test just to check that my hormone levels were as they should be. And then I've got my first follow-ups just to check how the hormones are working on my ovaries and they will then reassess my protocol and see whether the doses that they are that they've suggested are still the ones that they want me to continue on for the next kind of 10 days or so you know it's interesting i interviewed another woman in the uk that she froze three times as well and she went back and used her eggs and actually had a healthy baby but you know what she told the embryologist to do is take a straw from each one of those egg freezing cycles and unthaw them So it was one from each round. It was so neat. The embryologist was like, wow, it was so different from egg freezing cycle to egg freezing cycle. So that may be an idea you could take. Um, Rather than thaw one batch and try with that, you took a little bit from each. Can you do that? Yeah, of course, because the eggs are frozen on straws. And usually it's only one or two eggs per straw. 
And you can take a straw from batch number one, a straw from batch number two, and a straw from batch number three. Oh, cool. So do you, do you know how many she got in each of her batches? If I remember correctly, she, she had like four and six and then like five. And so oh, she just, nice. yeah, and she just pulled one from each and she had a live birth and she just gave birth this past February. That's so inspiring and exciting. That makes me feel fabulous because I was a little disappointed at my six, but actually... Like I said, it's good to kind of what I see feel is like those will be the best six of the 12 I could have well, gotten. It's so great you're able to do multiple rounds because we just don't even know how different month to month or cycle to cycle could shift. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. How can we keep up with your journey? Well, um, I'm still working a lot as a, as a speaker and traveling around the country and internationally kind of doing talks in schools and universities, at science festivals, at literature festivals, talking about diversity and gender equality in STEM and showing people that as a scientist, you can be any kind of person. You can be logical and analytical, or you can be soft and emotional and all of those. Taking a look on my website, which is just emilygrossman.co.uk. You can follow me on Twitter, which is at Dr. Emily Grossman. Um, or you can just look out for some books that I'm writing at the moment that are going to be published definitely in the next year or so. I've got a book out for kids called uh, Find Out Science that you can find on Amazon. Or just get in touch with me and say hi. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Emily, so much. And you're such a great example, of not only for children, but for showing how science can be fun and cool. And so we really appreciate you telling your fertility journey and your story. And we wish you all the best on the this egg freezing cycle. This is so exciting. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak to you. It's been really great to, to share my story. I feel proud of it. And if you can afford to do it, just get out there and do that and, and you know, take that pressure off yourself. And maybe one day you'll have an opportunity to have a child that you might not have had otherwise. That's so true. Thanks, so true. Thanks for all the advice. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Well, I have a few things to say about Dr. Emily Grossman. Um, first of all, she's absolutely brilliant. I'm so excited that there's smart women like that that are out there making science cool. It's not just a geeky thing. You yeah, know? <laughs> I do love how she just is on this like really great platform and mission and yes. how she impacts the younger generation. You know, I really enjoy... Um, talking to women and people at a younger age, because I feel like we then give them the most opportunity to learn about this. Cause there is some time where, you know, when you learn about egg freezing, you don't necessarily just run out and go do it. Right. It, it needs to absorb, like, I don't know, marinate a little bit of in course. your system. And you think about it before you even physically take action and go see the doctor to do that. Oh, it took me like three years. When I got into the fertility industry, I was 28. And, you know, doctors and everyone has differing opinions on should you do it at that age. And I think we're just, I was just an eternal optimist, right? Like, oh, no, I won't need to do that. I'm still young. There's still time. Right. And people are eternal optimists by nature. Um, I have a trip planned to San Antonio. That's where the big um, American Reproductive Society meeting is at this year. Yeah, every year. That was always my favorite meeting. It's always over my birthday in October. Well, they changed <laughs> it this year. It's a little later. Okay, well, I could have still a late birthday celebration. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Um, it's a little later in October this year. It actually goes into November, which might mess up with my egg freezing cycle, but we'll see. Val, you know what we could do? What? We should do a little like egg freezing 101 in Columbia. Oh, I love that. We can just educate. We can open start a Facebook group. I mean, mm-hmm. I get it on a regular basis um, when people ask what I used to do. You know, so many people are curious and travelers especially are definitely delaying well, uh, I think families. there's something powerful about the community that we're creating and right. and meeting in person and mm-hmm. having those one-on-one discussions. For example, um, two egg freezers slash friends of mine decided to take the leap of faith and get their levels checked and get mm-hmm. their AMH levels Ooh. and their ultrasounds. And they came with me to my appointment. Good for them. Yeah. I'm so proud of them that they took that first initial step because that will help decide like, right. Do you move forward now? Do you wait? What's your, what's your choices? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so one wants to be really private and the other one's like an open book. And she's like, yeah, let's, let's make videos. So we're going to video diary our journey. So nice. that will be coming up soon. And, um, the whole reason I was telling you this is that because until we met in person, until they saw the doctor in person, like it didn't register, it didn't like sink in. So I think there's something really powerful with like meeting one-on-one Absolutely. And having those discussions face to face. I mean, the internet's great, right? So we can keep up with each other. I can follow your Instagram feed, which is really exciting. (laughs) Um, But it's just different when we're together, like what we've been doing the last couple of weeks and and just meeting up and recording um, our podcasts and there's something powerful with that. So we're definitely going to expand that. Um, That's really exciting. I love yeah. that idea. Yeah. And I've got asked by a couple of clinics to do egg freezing conferences for their possible patients that might be interested. And so they can offer free egg freezing seminars. So we're going to do some of that. And then of course, you know, I've been asked by a couple of like HR departments to that offer egg freezing benefits to come in and speak to their employees. That's so exciting. Yeah. So it's just been uh, some good energy energy around I think it all starts with when we know better we do better right and education is key you know I know there's support groups out there for women that are undergoing IVF and infertility but there's not a whole lot of like groups for women that want to egg freeze like yeah. what, what are some that top your mind like like our hand I know there's shine fertility yes they're uh, a pretty I mean, good support group for anybody I don't think they're just uh, infertility yeah um I'm resolve not. resolve is one of the biggest i'm sure there'll be a lot of uk listeners so if anyone out there knows of some good support groups that are happening in the uk like please email us uh, and let us know because we'd love to make a resource page you can shoot us an email at eggologyclub at gmail.com or you could call us 978 egg club we like Fine. to know you're out there listening throw us a like on instagram <laughs> makes us feel good you have this golden opportunity mm. that you can be your own egg donor Right. Take it. Right. Yeah, like learn you... when you want to do it. Plan for it just like you do your 401k mm-hmm. and do it. You know, like I'm starting to talk to more to these colleges and universities. And it sounds like, you know, some of the parents are giving away egg freezing as part of like their graduation gift. And what yeah. a cool way to do that, because now the parents are like, have a going <laughs> to give me a grandchild. <laughs> yeah. A grandchild, like, uh, insurance policy. Right. Well, Stephanie, thanks so much for joining everything that we've been doing together. I just find you so inspirational. If you ever want to follow Stephanie, it's lost in and all our social media platform handles are on there. This has been a blast. You yeah. have made recording really fun. Yes. Oh, thank you. You too. You made it easy. So I'll come back for a, a remix. Yeah. All right. 
Well, thanks all you listeners. We really appreciate your support. Bye guys. Thank you. Bye. You have been listening to episode 11 of the Agology Club podcast, Egg Strategy. Make sure to tune in next week for the season one finale show when we will answer all your questions, emails, and listen to your voicemails. If you would like to ask a question, please call us at 978-EGG-CLUB or email agologyclub at gmail.com. Today's episode of Egology Club was written and hosted by Valerie Landis, Stephanie Linder, Radel Peichler, and Kara Egber. The show was produced and mixed by Shannon Holly. Caricature artwork by Peter Scott. Logo and cover art by Lily Chen. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a rating, and contact us at eggologyclub.com. Do you love red wine and coffee, but you care about keeping your teeth white? Then you need to be a diva. A Vino Diva. Vino Diva is a reusable wine aeration straw. It aerates your wine with every sip to make it taste incredible. And it protects your smile from red wine and coffee stains. Search Vino Diva on Amazon today. Every woman has the little black dress. Now, every woman needs the little black straw. Vino Diva. Available now with Amazon Prime.